A lot of investors at the time were were putting money into more defensive strategies, and they saw that um, you know this should be a safe bet because they realised you know you can't do lab work from home, and uh, and so this is what's driving it. But but it became clear you know there was lots of stuff happening in the background that that was driving this that you know outside of the pandemic you know there's lots of underlying trends that we talked about in the the article around you know aging populations and rise in lifestyle diseases and um and also just general sort of technology and innovation people want Welcome to the A-Fire podcast, now streaming on Apple, Google, Spotify, and more. So in a time of miraculous new treatments and vaccines built from genetic building blocks, this, it's an exciting and expansive time for life sciences, and the global real estate industry is responding. Cities with life sciences or biotech are becoming, you know, the the boom towns and investors are eager to put their capital to work. So today I'm fortunate enough to have uh, Max Shepard, the director of global real assets of Sheffield um, Haworth in London and Jana Babasa, uh, the um, senior associate uh, with Sheffield Howard in New York. Uh, both of them have just written, I think, a fantastic piece on life sciences and the talent demands uh, that that uh, represents for real estate. Um, and uh, they agreed to sit down with me uh, for this podcast. So so thank you, uh, Max and Jana, for joining me on the AFIRE podcast. Great to be here. Thanks, Gunnar. Thanks for having us. So I love seeing articles like that coming uh, from a firm that you wouldn't expect. So I, it really felt like an in-depth analysis of that sector for the real estate industry. Uh, and again, I encourage everyone to read it uh, from an executive search and talent advisory firm, uh, admittedly a global one and one with deep uh, thought leadership. Um, life sciences has certainly become popular asset class. Uh, it's on the top of many investors' lists in terms of what they want to invest in. Um, I'd love to get a sense, just to kind of start it out, Max, uh, if you can kind of kind of lay the groundwork for us to say, well, how big is it now and how fast is it growing and, and what might be driving it? Some people could say, you know, in, in the UK, for instance, it's actually quite a big industry already. I mean, it, it contributes about 80 billion uh, to, the, to, to the economy and 250,000 people employed in life sciences. But um, it's so wide and so many businesses so 6000 businesses or so so it's it's a big se- se- sector but it but it, there's a, most of them are so small i mean 85% of those businesses will be less than 15 employees and uh, and this is why they all sort of clustered together in in, in universities and uh, and the like um so there's you know a lot of growth happening in in europe and i guess we're catching up a bit with trying to catch up with it with the US but in the US it's it's, it's a much bigger um, bigger industry yeah and jumping in there you know in the US I would say from the real estate side there have definitely been you know five or six players that have played in the life sciences space since the early 90s I mean if you look at Alexandria for example they have you know over 35 million square feet in their portfolio whereas you know, if you look at the number, you know, five, six, seven player in that space, you're looking at, you know, sort of sub 10 million in terms of, you know, total square footage. So 
I think, you know, there's, you know, this is an established business in the U.S. There's definitely still a lot of growth and a lot of opportunity for different players to be stepping in, which is certainly what we're seeing in this space. Um, but really, if we were to, you know, maybe pick out some of the sector tailwinds, we would say that, you know, there's obviously a lot of VC funding flowing into the life sciences space, both in the U.S. and the U.K., um, that is causing a lot of tenant demand from all of these companies that now need very specialized places to, to work in. And, you know, with the sort of pandemic, um, you know, over us in the past year or so as well, that has really only accelerated the, the growth of this space. So I think there's been a lot of factors contributing to the acceleration of, you know, uh, this industry. Um, in addition to just, I think, continuous innovation, um, you know, in, in the U.S. and the U.K. Well, that's a great point, Jana, and, and, and certainly explains a lot of what's going on. But I look at this from a real estate perspective outside of those five or six or seven players that, that are experts in this area. Everyone does want to get involved with it, but there does seem to be some barrier to entry. Uh, Max, I think you mentioned this to me once when we were talking about the difference between, I mean, isn't this just office with a little extra uh, on it or it, it, what's involved uh, and, and, and how do investors potentially get themselves into trouble? Yeah. Um... You know, this this is uh, what what really really was was highlighted to us through our research, and also that the the executive search mandates that we do. You know, when we're at the start of a of a search for a, for an individual, you know, we're we're looking at you know where could this individual come from to to do this role in this area, and um, you know, I think. Firstly, there's two bits of life sciences because some people will say, "Oh, yeah, we we do life sciences," but actually, they're dealing with you know existing um, buildings with exist you know well-established tenants, and and there you are, you know, it is a bit more like an office. Um, uh, it's kind of strategy of like a value-add office um, play because um, you're dealing with established businesses. But what we're talking about and and how we kind of describe it in, in the article is this is really about you know creating new uh, ecosystems of you know a, a cluster of um of players in in a like a more of a campus style setup and you're taking the development risk in that to to create that and uh, and that's where it, it it becomes very unique you know in terms of the sets of skills needed to to be able to deliver that because you know it, it is very different i mean i think um the, the whole thing you'll hear a lot of people talking about an ecosystem and you know this is really just um you know it's about creating something where it's, it's creating a, a community of the right people basically it, it's not just an office space that people want to work work in but it's also they need access to talent and research capability you know to you need to bolt on a, a university and and research centers you know there's government investment involved hospital trusts you know, need to be in tune with commercial participants so so all of this you know as a as a landlord you're much more invested in you know the the success or if you like of of the tenants it's more of a a partnership than being um than being this kind of landlord tenant relationship because uh, you're dealing with people and and you know new businesses that are, and, and you've got to understand that a lot of these will will fail and but but to 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 give you the best chance of success it's 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 creating this kind of environment that's immediately rich but um but also it it, 
market is to, it's an environment where the right players can co-mingle and collaborate to create innovation and um and that's where you know really understanding what they need and you know how the market operates and who and how they interact with universities and research centers etc that's that's where it becomes really important so um so i think there's there's bits of the the, the industry where you know maybe you don't need this deep uh, deep knowledge but when you're getting involved in uh putting money into um you know creating a new environment is it you know a new campus or a new um a new ecosystem so i'm trying to use a different word because it's it's a it's a well-used phrase and uh um but yeah that, that that's where it becomes um more important well i I'm, I'm struck by both your 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 comments in terms of, of of what is driving this but also this idea of an ecosystem um and that you're not building just a, a lab or an office you're building something that is part of an entire community whether that's doing it in collaboration with others or you're doing the whole thing yourself either way it's very very difficult um, but it's not foreign to real estate um, i think if, if you go to asset classes outside of office you do see those behaviors. You know, think about the American shopping mall um, and the close collaboration that took place between retailers um, and the, the developer, and much more so than between an office uh, landlord and a tenant. So it's certainly not completely foreign to us, but it requires expertise. It, it does require people to, to basically know what they're doing um, when they go into this. So, Jana, I'd love to talk to you, especially since you're sitting in New York um, and, and probably have a stronger sense of this. We're looking for talent. We're looking for people who understand the life sciences that can play in um, the, the sandbox of real estate. Uh, are, do those people exist? Where are they? Yeah, I mean, you know, I think there's definitely some strong talent in this space, you know, as you know, as we talk about this, you know, Max and I have had conversations about this as well, you know, the the pool of talent is not the deepest. I mean, as you were mentioning, if you look at, you know, other asset classes, whether it be, you know, traditional office, retail, multifamily, you know, there's a lot of really great talent in that space, because it's just such a mature industry all across the board. Um, you know, going back to, to what I mentioned earlier, you know, there are some players in the space. Alexandria is one that comes to mind, you know, certainly Biomed, Health Peak, that, you know, have the deep expertise and have been able to, you know, build that up, you know, throughout the years. Um, I think what's interesting is that, you know, because of the activity in the market, you know, there are a lot of people who are diving in and really learning about this, whether it's through advisors, consultants. I think the tenants that you're working with provide, you know, a lot of really great insights as well, you know, to help you think about it from that perspective. Um, and really, that's sort of what drives, you know, the, you know, the quality of the investment. So, you know, I think there's definitely talent in this space. You know, it is not a deep pool, as we mentioned. But if you're looking at, you know, the the markets, especially in, you know, Boston, Cambridge, uh, you know, San Francisco, San Diego, you will see a lot of, you know, uh, on the real estate side and also on the industry side, you know, a lot of the um, the talent in this space. You know, you know, it's interesting, uh, Shana, we do an annual study of our investors, our international investors to ask, you know, what are you worried about? What are you thinking about? What cities do you want to be in? And our top, easily our top four, are heavily dependent on, including Boston, heavily, and, and Austin, and a few others, on biotech. Um, this is something that keeps 
growing and it's really kind of driving the cities themselves. So there's probably a lot of talent in those markets, uh, I would think, uh, in terms of, of looking where that is. Um, but yeah, I think it's part of the reason why Austin was on the top of the list of the, the cities that they want to invest in right now is because of the activity that's going on around it in tech. And Dallas, big you know, kind of uh, area for that as well, uh, also was high on the list. Um, well, Max, you have mentioned uh, already, but I'd, I'd love to get a little bit deeper on this, and it was in the article, in terms of how investors need to start thinking like VCs. It, how, how does that work? What is it that we have to do? Yeah. Yeah, this is really interesting to come out of it. Um, um, you know, it, it's, and it goes back to that whole thing of, of um, you know, this this ecosystem because you, you're basically dealing with, um, you know, big, well-established um, pharmaceutical companies like an AstraZeneca or a Pfizer or something. They want to be close to these new innovation, you know, kind of new startups that are coming in because they might, you know, buy that business or either they, they're also just, is sort of transfer of knowledge and wanting to be close to those people. So, as a as a tenant, as a landlord rather, you know you're you're so you're, so you're dealing with a lot of of new early stage businesses, and you want and your bigger tenants want them there as well. But also the idea is that you know if they suddenly scale up and they are the next Pfizer, you know you're, you're very quickly you're dealing with you know you've you've got a you're, you're you know taking taking care of a million square foot of space for 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 one of these new startups but a lot of them will fail and and so um so that's why really understanding the product and what um you know who, who's good and who's you know most likely to be successful or not that that's where it comes into it so you, so as a landlord you are kind of thinking like a like a like a vc and um you know we talked about in the, in the article alexandra that have a, a vc um business to it and also breakthrough properties which is a, a really interesting new um, business that's a, a joint venture between you know, a californian based vc company called belco capital that's investing in actual you know, life sciences products and they've teamed up with tishman spire obviously you know, leading global developers so you've got this this mix of um having these connections with you know a vc funder and them to be able to introduce to other vcs as well and also they're developing the product for you know the you know the 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 environment for these um tenants to move into um so it's so it's yeah it's it's really interesting and um i i guess there's we saw some similarities with you know tech innovation as well i guess um you know in that kind of play between you know if you're a a blackstone or a brookfield or anything else you're you're looking at tech innovation as you know that would be helpful to you and your business and 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 they could be potential tenants as well but but also it's it's uh, an investment opportunity as well to invest in what your tenants are actually doing yeah. i mean it, it it does seem that it's anything but passive um and uh, perhaps uh, our investors need to start wearing cashmere hoodies or something so they can look like vcs <laughs> from california i i don't know uh, something along those lines so uh, jana what what do you think that investors need to, I mean, a lot of people want to be in this space, want to understand it, want to be deep, more deeply involved. What do you think they need to do? 
I think you have to be really thoughtful and deliberate in terms of figuring out where you play in the space. You know, do you want to pursue a strategy that is specialized? You know, is that the goal? You know, do you want to have it be part of a larger portfolio where maybe there is synergies with traditional office and, you know, it's more of that angle of, you know, redevelopment um, that you're looking at. So I think the first is you really have to be very thoughtful about the strategy. You know, you have to figure out, you know, where's the opportunity for, you know, your own firm to, to invest in? What is interesting? What do you have appetite for? Um, and then really, as Max mentioned, you know, location is everything in this space. Um, you know, it's super competitive right now if you're looking at Boston, Cambridge, you know, the Bay Area, San Diego. But as you mentioned earlier, you know, looking at Austin and Seattle, you know, the Research Triangle Park in North Carolina as those tier two markets, you know, that could be a place where there's more opportunity and, you know, there's not any clear players maybe are not as clear as they are in those top three markets that, you know, you can still really make an impact. So definitely part of it is identifying the opportunity, you know, really figuring out, you know, what the best location is. Um, and then I think, you know, as, as Max mentioned, it's about finding some sort of, you know, whether it's someone within the organization, whether it's someone you're, you know, consulting with um, and getting advice from, really getting some of that, you know, depth of expertise and strong knowledge in the space, because it is, it does tend to be, you know, really specialized as there's just, more of this, you know, cross collaboration within different industries. So as you're thinking about, you know, an ecosystem, you know, you also have to think about what other companies are there. How does that support your tenants? You know, how does that support the project that you're pursuing? Um, so it's really, you know, thinking about location um, from a very holistic angle, but also understanding the nuances of, you know, how how is where you're going to play really going to be impactful to the investment that you're making. Just one thing I'd add to that as well is, is um, you know, really this does suit long-term investors best. This is not uh, um, something you should get into if you want to make a quick buck, because as I said, you know, a lot of it is around forming these long-term partnerships with and and um, and creating a, a community. One, you know, there's a lot of cost. There's a lot of investment in creating one of these. Uh, you know, the, the products, the cost of, uh, of of doing this is generally more than offices, but um, you know this. The, it, it, so it, it, you need to you need to commit to it. <laughs> Long term. Well, that's what institutional investors uh, like to do. I, I can't believe it, but we're uh, closing out in time. Uh, there's so much more to learn and uh, so much more to kind of think through. I would recommend that everyone take a look at the summer issue of A Fire Summit. It's available online right now and read Max and Jana's article. It is well worth reading. Uh, also, I'd encourage anyone who hasn't yet, has someone not subscribed to the A Fire podcast? If so, oh my goodness, what's wrong? Uh, subscribe. Uh, we're on almost every service out there for subscription, and that way you can make sure you don't miss a single word of any of these wonderful discussions that we're having. So thank you, Max and Shauna, for joining me on the AFIRE podcast. Thanks very Thanks much. so much. You've been listening to the AFIRE podcast. Remember to subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform, including Apple, Google, Spotify, and more. AFIRE is not engaged in providing tax, accounting, or legal advice to this podcast. No content included here is to be construed as a recommendation to buy or sell any asset. Some information, including the AFIRE podcast, may have been obtained from third-party sources considered to be reliable. AFIRE is not responsible for guaranteeing the accuracy of third-party information. The opinions expressed in the AFIRE podcast are those of its respective contributors and do not necessarily reflect those of AFIRE. To so learn more about the AFIRE podcast, including underwriting and guest support 
opportunities, visit afire.org slash podcast.